1: Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Nasdaq, SP 500, Dow are all up nicely. Certainly putting January behind us. As oh, what's a correction? It's another buying opportunity for now. But we are looking in the eyes of maybe three, maybe seven interest rate hikes in 2022. So that story may come back of. Did it just bounce? Did we buy a dead cat bounce only to see it go lower? It could. You got to know your odds. Uh, 10-year treasury sits at 1.94%. Bitcoin is at forty-four thousand three hundred fifty-four. It, too, had a nice day. Chipotle had a very nice day up 10% because they said we can raise prices. As food costs, labor costs, and transportation of food increase, we can pass it on. Very, very important. Coca-Cola is a company that can pass on the cost. When I was a teeny tiny little kid, so Cokes were 25 cents. Mom, can I have a quarter? And then it turned in, can I have a quarter and a dime? Mom, can I have a quarter and a dime? Mom, can I have a quarter, two quarters? Um, needed my sugar, right? I was that kind of obnoxious. Our whole life, we've seen Coca-Cola become more expensive. But I'm down there for you. And sometimes when we see it, are like, eh, we're going to go from 12 ounces to eight ounces and charge to the same exact thing. <laughs> Pricing power important. Chipotle has it. Disney has it. The average Disney streamer spends about 6 dollars 5 a month. The average Netflix streamer spends about $14.65 a month. So to me, Disney's got a lot more room to raise prices in the future than say Netflix does. Not saying Netflix is bad. I would like to see Netflix buy CBS Viacom. It's the strangest thing in the world to say that, that you built your empire on DVDs as an alternative to television. We'll deliver DVDs to you so you can have a movie experience this weekend and then they delivered all the seasons of so if you don't pay for hbo you can get it on netflix right i think it's time for them to say instead of creating our own content we're going to buy a library of content and we're going to put our library of content on their network and we're going to use their network of content on our network of streaming but i'm digressing life could be a lot more normal soon is what we're learning the pandemic we're starting to feel is a little bit behind us so that That skit in life where, yeah, I love you, but I need to love you from six feet away. Can you take a step back? We're starting to get a little bit closer to love, sweet love. New York is scrapping its indoor mask mandate for business. Join a wave of other states that have recently done that, Oregon, California, Rhode Island, Delaware, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Jersey, all said the mask can come off in a variety of places due to a plunge in COVID cases in the United States. One of the nice things about Omicron was it was incredibly contagious but not incredibly deadly. We hope the next variant is not the opposite and super deadly, but not incredibly contagious. That would suck because we'd start talking lockdowns again. We'd start saying putting mask on again. We'd start saying, Did you get your booster? Did you not get your booster? Do we have kids' boosters? COVID's getting local, local now. LA is keeping the mask mandate. New York City is not. Um And I get it. Um, Just throwing down there for you. Um, This whole Nancy Pelosi and the trading stock ban in Congress, there's been some egregious people breaking the rules. Tuberville, I'm looking at you. A congressman should not be doing 160 trades per year or per quarter. No, it's too much. In a position of power, they should turn their money into indexes. In a position of power and influence on your on investments, it, it, it's, it's a really bad conflict of interest. Um, and it's not necessarily putting your money where your mouth is. The great senator from Kentucky thinks Bitcoin is awesome. Um, it, it's not putting your money where your mouth is. It's, it's, it's wrong to have inside information. And Congress needs to fix that. It's, it's bad optics. Hold the gold. Did you see this story yesterday out of the Olympics? And this is just to me, this showed me the depravity of man. The Russian skaters placed first in the teams' events in the Olympics, but there could be a legal issue. They've got a 15-year-old girl who isn't going to be tested because she's underage for testing. But it, it, they, they, they tested and they found that like she's got like uh, maybe drug levels that like hamper your period, hamper your growth, so she stays tiny longer. Um, she doesn't hit puberty. And I'm just like, what person would do that to their children? Where is it okay to, to, to stunt puberty just so you can get a gold medal We're uh, a depraved world? We'll do anything to get ahead. <clears throat> Big alcohol may need to get a sponsor. Treasury department said that mergers and acquisitions need to be scrutinized more and they look directly at Anheuser-Busch, InBev, molson Coors, who control 65% of the market. Those two companies have 65% of the alcohol market. So the Treasury Department said, we need to post and hold the laws on mergers and acquisitions. Now, there's a whole lot of food out there. There we go. There's 6,400 breweries. But still, 65% of alcohol is controlled by two companies? Ooh, ouch. I don't have an opinion on that. I'm just telling you, the industry is getting a lot of scrutiny right now. Tesla was sued by California's civil rights regulator over alleged racial discrimination. Microsoft announced a set of measures to open up the gaming marketplace. They want to buy Activision Blizzard. But the world of video gamers want Activision Blizzard games available on the Sony and the Xbox and the PC. Well, if you bought the company, you get to decide what you do with the content. You bought it; it's yours. That's like if I go out and buy a Lamborghini, and my neighbor says, "Hey, I, I want to share in your Lamborghini," I'm going to be like, "No, I bought it for me, not for you and me; just for me." But Microsoft is saying, "You know what? We're going to make Activision Blizzard's game available for Sony PlayStation's for the first. Uh, we're not, as of this time, we're not planning any exclusives." It's like, okay, okay, that's the right thing to say. Maybe that's not what they'll do, but that'll appease the regulators. The Academy Awards ratings are down. The Olympics ratings are down. Super Bowl ratings are going to be up. <clears throat> A lot going on, right? Samsung unveiled new phones yesterday during its Galaxy Unpacked event. Samsung took the wraps off its fo- newest phones and uh, iPad, not iPads, list tablets. Whoops. That's when you know you've got a good brand. What's that rectangle thing that you hold that's bigger than a phone, smaller than a computer? You're supposed to say tablet, not an iPad. Tell employees. This is fantastic. I saw this story yesterday. I was like, I want footage of it. But the new CEO was doing an all hands meeting on Zoom. And it was for the employees who were not fired. This is the vision of the company. I plan to save the company. I plan to, you know, sorry that some of the employees, that you, some of your friends are gone. We had to fire them to right-size the company, not to, to maximize profits, but to right-size the company. So during the Zoom call, people who were fired, they got the access code to log on, and they crashed the Zoom call. Awesome. I think that's hilarious. Um, Porsche proved that stopping to charge an EV won't kill the Great American Road Trip. Last month, the company drove one of its electric tycons. From LA to New York City, and I only spent two and a half hours charging. So you can drive cross-country with only a two and a half charge. Oh boy. Apple's gonna let shoppers make purchases by holding their phones together, continuing to innovate the software experience and to go after a whole industry with an update to your software. Wow, good for them. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Stay with me. We got more show coming right up. Honest, straightforward, and right to the point,
0: The Rob Black Show.
1: There's a lot that goes on when we talk investing in retirement and insurance and money and divorce and buying your first house and buying your last house and your estate planning. I do my very best to work with people who know more than me. A lot of times I assume I don't know the answer. So I try to approach this from humility, even though I've been doing it for a very, very long time. I try to approach every day, every month, every quarter, every year with, I I still need to learn. One of my favorite days of the week are Monday and Wednesday. It's when I get to talk for an extended period of time with financial experts. And I get to say, what do you see here? Most of my day is spent researching. Most of my night is spent researching. I read collectively at least two books a week. Um, but I'm constantly trying to learn. i never, ever assume that I know something. I think that's one of the things that makes me better at this than most is that I'm willing to say, what can you bring to the table to teach me? One of the areas that we get stuck on is things that we get stuck on. Oh, this means that. Gross stocks have worked. Let's stay with growth stocks. Tech stocks have worked. Let's stay with tech stocks. I'm at the point <clears throat> Where some of my favorite stocks in the past 10 years, I'd like to see them broken up because they're big and they would have more value as small. And big is tough to continue to grow at fast rates. Small is easier to find a catalyst. Labor force participation is something we don't talk a lot about on the show one of the things i've always tried to hide from you is the, the financial data points that will make you go screw this i don't want to pay attention he just put my my butt to sleep the labor force participation rate is rebounding a bit from the depths of the pandemic it's still far below the highs achieved around the turn of the millennium if there's one thing that that shows me the rise and fall of a stock market of a civilization it's people working. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic when I say that. I'm not saying Rome fell because they were partying, but Rome fell because they are partying. The sheer number of workers exiting the labor force, along with the economic and social consequences of what happened during the pandemic, is something I think we're going to look back on it 10 years ago. That probably wasn't a great idea. How many people do you know have left the workforce that from three years ago or really dramatically changed things? I was talking with someone else in radio a couple of weeks ago, and he slid something in there that I, I didn't really think about until it hit me. And this is, again, why I always try to stay in the game. He said a lot of his friends are starting up uh, fundraising pages. And OnlyFans pages. I'm like, OnlyFans? Isn't that the naughty, naughty? You can ask someone to do weird things or different things or sexual things and tip them. Uh Uh-huh. To me, that creates a worker shortage for what we really need. And the people who... Let me give you another example. So if you're quitting your job at IBM or Apple, who works at IBM, right? If you're quitting your job in radio, if you're quitting your job as a firefighter, and you're trying to start an OnlyFans page, or you're going to live off disability as long as you can, it means that someone who could work is subtly contributing to a worker shortage. There are more job openings than applicants. You keep hearing about Janet Yellen's favorite economic data point was the job openings labor report, the JOLTS report. There are more job openings and applicants, which is increased wages for those who choose to work. One in eight men are no longer working, nor even looking for work. That puts a strain on economy. Puts a strain on a society. One in eight men are no longer working or looking for work. There's been such discussion about the great resignation. That's when workers quit their jobs in favor of retirement or doing nothing. Sadly, I know both. I think you probably do too. It's tough to pin down on why would people not want to work? High wage workers have left the labor force because the stresses of working during the pandemic, maybe. I I think the stresses during the pandemic, and I don't want to call them stresses because I got to stay home and work closer to my family, and I loved it. But the idea of actually going back to driving 45 minutes a day, each way, sounds stressful to me. And I used to uh, justify by, oh, I'll listen to Bloomberg or I'll listen to CNBC. I'll get a little education on my way to work. Low-wage workers have quit their jobs mostly in service businesses because they find the work undignified. You'll hear a millennial use the phrase medieval, or I guess it's not a phrase, the word. They can make ends meet with stimulus checks and child tax credits, but those have started to run out. If you're president of the United States, if you're congressman, congresswoman, congressperson, working means more output, working means more taxes, working means more cash on your side of the ledger, less stimulus needed due to less idleness. Get a job is something that gives you dignity. Get a job is something that gives you financial security. Get a job is something that gives you resources to fall back on. Idleness begets idleness. When I stopped driving to work, I also stopped taking stairs. When I stopped taking stairs, I started getting a little chunkier. And now I'm like, I don't want my 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 fat butt rolling to roll into work. Like I just want to stay here and do nothing. Bring me a donut. Wall Street has an extreme opposite side of it. It's called investment bankers. And you get a job at Goldman Sachs out of college and you're highly recruited, but you work 120-hour weeks. A lot of people work hard, but I I think investment bankers are some of the craziest nets I've ever seen. And I don't get it. It's never been in my DNA to work 120-hour work week. People are not strictly unemployed or perhaps underemployed. Friend of mine... works in radio and he does OK, but he would like to be full time. He'd like to be nine to five. What a way to make living. But he's not. The bosses in radio have deemed, you know, let's try to keep people right at the point where we don't have to pay them full time. because That's when benefits kick up. The decline in the labor force participation rate is a lot of things that's causing it. It's automation. It's people like Elon Musk saying, you got to go make babies. We need workers. But I'm also willing to make robots in case you don't want to do those jobs. In 2020, the participation rate in Argentina dropped to 38.4%. It now stands at 46.7%. A labor participation rate below 50% means that half the country is not working. Wow, and they're supporting the other half. This is a problem when you take a look at some South American countries where you go. It's a cultural norm to be uh, massively un- underworked. Thirty years ago, America's prime age work rate was nearly ten percentage points above Europe. So now, Europe's is a couple points higher than the United States. It's a big loss of competitiveness. It's a big loss of edge. We need people in Congress. We need people in Washington to try to get us to go to work and get us to be more productive and try to help in those areas. Culturally speaking, at some point, we meet hit maximum frustration from people not being in the labor force. That Jolts Report is meaning more and more to me. I hope it means something to you. An education-first approach to managing your money. This is The Rob Black Show.
0: Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's
1: robblackshow.com. I always do two hours of radio per day. Sometimes I do three. When you add in radio or television, suddenly it's getting like four, four and a half of live content. And it's a bit much. One of the things I try not to do is Be preachy when it comes to money and investing and being that person. Uh, Turns out one of the most caustic pieces of advice, I just saw this in a survey, is telling people to cut back their restaurant spending. It turns people off. It's like, well, I see you at a restaurant, but you tell me not to go to a restaurant. What I've tried to do, and I'm not always great at this, is I try to cook five nights a week for my family. And I try to do a different meal every night for the whole month. So I don't get into that mom's meatloaf kind of thing where you're like, oh, no. And then I go, okay, on the weekends, we'll get two nights out. And usually every other weekend, I try to cook like a roast or something big on Sunday. Try to get the family down by five o'clock and just relaxing and getting ready for school. I try not to get preachy. But that's also my way of being financially structured. Eating out is expensive. The first time you're 10-year-old son orders a filet and it's more expensive than the steak you got. You're like, "Um, maybe we should be eating half portions or sharing plates. And nope, the boy can eat. So this show is really not about, let's take a look at the five-year rolling PE average on Facebook and see if now is the time to buy. I like trying to make your investment decisions easier by saying, Go look at people's shoes today. You'll probably see some Adidas. You'll probably see some Nike, mostly Nike. Buy, invest in companies like Nike. A shirt you're wearing may cost you 20 bucks, but sneakers you're wearing are 120, 140 bucks. <clears throat> sneakers are such a hit click in society at this point in time. You can start at your own sneaker business. Maybe you can get, make a bot that can order them the moment they come out from Nike. Yes, the nerds have risen to power. So a lot of the show is about money habits. Some of the show is about total addressable markets and investing. Some of the show is about insurance. Like you don't need whole life or variable life, buy term and invest the rest. Now, I can do a whole show on that one topic. And I have done whole shows on that one topic. One thing that I try not to do is get too personal. Like, you should work out. um, And you should do it the way I do it. No, try to get at least 30 minutes of exercise. Get your heartbeat ready. Great. Your heart rate going. I had a real estate agent who, and again, I I always assume people have something to teach me. One of the things I did in college when I was waiting tables, I'd say, "What's the best book you've ever read?" Someone would tell me the Third Trilogy by Robertson Davies, and I'd go read the whole book, and I'd come to him. It is three books; it was a trilogy. I'd come to him a couple of days later, and he's a Canadian author, and I, I'd say that that was fantastic. Thank you. I really he is one of my favorite authors, so I'm sharing that with you. What I really liked about the Depth Third Trilogy is he's Canadian and he tells three different stories. No, no, he tells three stories that happened in the same town from three different people. And it's really, really well done. It's about this kid who, um, him and his buddy are playing. And his buddy's kind of evil. He puts a rock in a snowball and he throws it at his friend. And the friend ducks and the snowball hits a pregnant woman. Boom, she falls down on the ice and out comes a baby. Like three months about premature. So the first book is about the guy who ducked. Second book's about the guy who threw the snowball. Actually later in life, his son. So it's about skipping a generation there. And the third book's about the kid who came out early. And it's just so beautifully done. It's so slow. It's like life in Canada sounds wonderful. And we ate maple syrup. And we played in the snow till our feet were cold. So I think one of the best things he can do is ask Bob and Doug McKenzie, ask people around you for financial advice, ask people around you like what their favorite books are. You know, my favorite person in the entire world that I've never met that I'd like to meet was Warren Buffett. He's got some tips, hints, and tricks. Like, "Hey, hey, Warren, what's some things you've ever learned? Well, Rob, number one is never lose money. It's his number one piece of advice, he says. Number two is never forget number one. And your first loss is your best loss, in my opinion. I tell you all the time about the companies that I've made mistakes in like cryomedical sciences. They had this technology that basically would freeze cold and cancer and instead of having to get you know radiation and chemotherapy, which I saw ravage my dad. But the doctors used the technology and it was great, but it was tough to use. And they got sued a couple times when it was misused. So they never used it again. The company went bankrupt. I've never bought a medical device company again. And I'm actually thinking about it right now because during the pandemic, people put off medical devices. Hospitals said, we need the bed. We, we can't be doing knee replacements. We can't do, doing hip replacements. No, that's not gonna happen right now. Warren Buffett's money tip number two in reality is get high value at a low price. When I heard a 5% correction was turning into a 10% correction, which could turn into a bear market and looked at some stocks, there were, they were in bear markets. They were down 20% from their all-time highs. I say value at a lower price. I like it. Most behavior is habitual. The best habit I've ever gotten myself into was putting money into the market at age 18. $166 a month. I'm sorry, $166, yeah, $166 a month. And then my second best habit was starting my 401k where it took 15% of my salary every two weeks. I have no regrets on that. There was times where I wish I had a little bit more money for a car that broke down. Sure. I was like, you had jalopies that failed in college. Uh, post-college, I, my, my car habits were embarrassingly bad. I had a vet. <laughs> um, I've told this story numerous times. My first car was a vet, uh, a Chevette, not a Corvette. And it smelled bad. It, the guy who owned it before me smoked a lot a lot, like a real lot. So when I cleaned it, I washed it. There was a bucket of water that turned like dark Brown. It was grotesque, but I drove it till it, 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 I, I hated it. it. It was, it was no good on dates. It had no air conditioning. My second car was just like that where the person who gave it to me, she said, you know, it's a Toyota Tercel drive it till it dies. I'm like, okay, and she gave it to me for free. And that car lasted fifteen years. And I drove it till it died. Um that's pretty sweet. I know you're saying, what woman gives a guy a car for free? I'll go into that story in person. Let's just say ladies gifted me stuff. No, 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 don't don't get your mind going crazy. <sighs> Best thing I ever did was getting into the habit of saving money for retirement and then saving money out of my work in a 401k. Warren Buffett says, avoid debt, especially credit card debt. I love buying a home. I love college debt if it's used towards a higher degree in math or science, not necessarily English or poetry. Those are good debts to me. They create jobs. One of the areas that I don't like is credit card debt because you're buying something, but you're paying 18% more than I do because I pay with cash. You're not going to get ahead if you're paying 18 to 25% more than me. That's what gets people in trouble with credit card debt. They, they consume now, they pay later at a higher price. Always have cash on hand. I'm not saying, like, when you go out on vacation, carry $50,000 in your pocket. No, I'm not saying be like Roy Floyd and have a million dollars in a suitcase with you at all times. No. Have two to six months of cash in the bank, just in case. I'm Rob Black. Resources to help you manage your money. Visit RobBlackShow.com. That's RobBlackShow.com. So here's love tip number three from Rob Black. And love tip number two is about buying cubic zirconium versus diamond because she'll never know the difference. And your finances will be great and you'll be able to retire early with your loved one, even though she's wearing a fake diamond and never get so high or drunk that you tell her it's a fake diamond. Okay. So that's not the best (laughs) tip I just want to get divorced, but I do, I do find it refreshing when people say, no, I am not, I'm not really a diamond person. I'm like, sweet. Um, Okay. So what was my Uh, love tip number three? Uh, Oh, it does deals with flowers and Valentines. I never have been much into flowers. I've done it because you're supposed to, I've done it because I tried to get a girl to like me even more. I tried it, to see if it, you know, if money led to love and it does, but it also leads to being poor when you're buying flowers that are dead in three days. So my thought is I'd always get my sugar booger, something along the lines of like uh, a nice pair of Nike walking shoes and I'd write a beautiful card and I'd draw, cause I'm a pretty good illustrator. I'd draw something on the card and uh, I'd say like, I want to walk with you every day for the rest of our lives and give her sneakers. And that worked too. Cause there's some romance in that. Right. But for me, it's also a little bit practical. And I'll be honest with you. I'd probably have some difficulty processing information. I've got a little bit of what's referred to as surface dyslexia. <clears throat> and with that, it, I do really think you should buy sneakers for your loved one. It go for walks. Cause you'll be healthier. Your heart will get some exercise and you'll, You'll spend 30 minutes of your day away from your home talking with someone about life, and I think that is great, it's a fantastic strategy. But let's go back to Warren Buffett, shall we? The greatest investor of all time. Some of his hints, tips, and tricks are, are priceless. I've already talked about you know keeping cash on hand, avoid debt, but. Credit card debt's bad, but mortgage debt's good because you're putting some of your money, you're paying it to you and not the landlord. I'm trying not to get into that world of don't go to restaurants. I'm just trying to say put restaurants in your budget as a luxury item. Um, and that's fine. Just know you can only get so many luxuries. It may be you know $120 sneakers. It may be a $40 steak this weekend. You can't do it all. So. Invest in yourself is one of the ones that seems a little silly, but your biggest asset in life is your ability to work from age 20 to 60. For some people, they're like, I was born pretty. I should go find a husband or a wife because I'm pretty. And they should make lots of money and take care of me. That's going to fade, my friend. That's going to fade. So invest in yourself is probably the biggest thing I can say. Anything you need to improve your own talents, make yourself more um i'm working with someone that i want to do business with in the future and i now have the money to fund a business and seeing people's talents is telling me like i'd like to work with this person i like to work with that person so you never ever like in my world editing audio and editing video is a super important skill and having a good year for what people are, are looking for is great so invest in yourself you work from age 20 to 60 Learn about money. This is one job that I have to put on you. If you're listening right now, you need to learn more actively about money. Go to bed smarter than when you woke up. If radio and television gods came down today and said, you are finished. You will never work in this industry again. I'd still read the Wall Street Journal. I'd still read the New York Times. I'd still invest to, you know, Business Insider and Barron's. I'd still try to get free research from my different brokerage accounts. And because I have enough money, I'd open up 10 brokerage accounts with 10 different firms who all offer 10 different free research reports that I can get my hands on. So, for instance, I have an account with TD Ameritrade. They give me access to any standard and poor's guide that I can punch the ticker symbol in for, or I could hit the word economy and take a look at what they're publishing on the economy and, and data. Always try to learn. I'm not saying be me. Try to invest your money well. Like if you're saying there's a difference between clothes that are super fashionable and a TV, like for instance, I would rather you buy a $3,000 TV if you watch a lot of TV. Because the difference between that and a $2,000 TV is pretty large. And the difference between a $2,000 TV and a $1,000 TV is even larger. And if you're going to spend time with something, it's okay to spend a little extra around that. Just don't spend like, for instance, okay, here's a good example. My son asked me point blank yesterday, how much money do we have? And I said, okay, I'm going to tell you, but you're not allowed to tell anyone else. I said, you swear? And he goes, he swears. And he goes, dang, dad, you could buy a McClellan. I'm like, what would I do with a McClellan? Your mother would get in car accidents with it. She's shown a propensity to speed, and our dog would rip it up. And he goes, yeah, you got a point. He said, you could drive me around in it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not spending $100,000, $200,000 to drive you around for five minutes a day. Now, if you were to say, dad, I want to play video games with you three hours a day, I'm like, let's get the best computer we buy. That's where I'm trying to get you at. I like to cook. Best gift you could ever give me is a high-end knife and then don't touch it because I like to clean my stuff because you're going to ruin it. I never say that out loud for the record. I'm an internal editor in life. Okay, this has always been a tougher one for me because I came from... Lower middle class or upper lower class. My father was in the military and my mother didn't work. She was a housewife and that is a job. I know that raising six kids. None of them end up in prison is a job raising six kids and all of them had getting a college degree. is a job damn well done. So my mother is a goddess to me. I referred to her as the screaming goddess because when she gave birth six times after having kids, you probably are screaming, right? And you're given life. Life is the goddess part. Screaming is six times. My mom was pregnant for five years of her life. That freaks me out. But because we came from, you know, hand-me-downs and being the fifth boy, I got all the hand-me-downs. I never got a new pair of shoes. I never got a new pair of jeans. I'm not bitter about it. But I own two pairs of jeans right now. And I wear them until they fall off my body. I can't even think about owning a third pair of jeans. So this is the tough piece of advice for me is giving back. I've decided to give back to animals and children. And I've decided to give speeches for free for the rest of my life. Anytime a church or any group wants me to speak, I want to try to educate people. I'll probably do this podcast when I'm 65, 70 and not getting paid because I want to give back. I feel weird about writing a check for $50,000 because I'd be like, I could get a third pair of jeans for that. That kind of charitable giving to me is like, it makes me feel uncomfortable. So to practice it, I started saying, you know, George Clooney did something awesome. So he's got a lot of money, right? And he's married to a mall who is like one of the most beautiful women on the planet. But no, no not only is she beautiful, but she's one of the most humanitarians on the planet. And she gives her lawyer services, high-end lawyer services to poor people who need a voice. Um, or let's not use the word poor, let's say disadvantaged. Is that a nice, clean way of saying poor people, people who can't hire a super attorney? So Clooney gave away a couple of years ago, a million dollars to 17 of his best friends. And he's like, why should I wait till I'm dead to give away money? I get it. So me and my sugar booger have started talking about, is there anyone in your family that we want to actively gift to? Um, as a couple, we can re- reduce our estate plan. We could reduce our taxable event when we die. Um, By saying, look, you know, we'll pay for your first year of your kid's college as a gift. And, you know, my sister was so good to me. Why am I not giving her more is the question. So I do. Giving back is super important. I don't think you have to give to Stanford. I don't think you have to give your church. I don't think you have to give to you need to figure out what you need. And for me, it's people that I that have helped me. So, my whole life, I was like, I'll mentor, I'll teach, I'll educate, I'll give, yeah, I'll be a math tutor. Um, but as I've gotten older and wealthier, it's people around me. I once asked, was it Chuck Todd, Chuck Reed, Chuck Reed, who uh, was mayor of uh, San Jose? And I loved him because he would go to uh, small businesses every day and he'd shake hands with the owner and like try to say, hey, we're trying to bring more business to your, your street. What can we do? So, I always liked him. like. He, He'd reach out to the museums. He'd reach out to the restaurants. He'd reach out to what makes a city a city. So I, I asked him in an interview. I said, "You're loved," and I can't tell if you're Republican or Democrat. And that's I'm like, that's my kind of politician. And I think he was Democrat, right? But he certainly didn't spend, or he didn't. He wasn't the cliche. And um, I said, "Why didn't you run for state governor?" And he goes, "Nope. There's no chance." I'm like, "Why? Why? Like, why so definitive?" And his answer was, it's, it's non, it's an ungovernable state. We're too big. I got into a fight, not about politics, but how about how my politics have changed in my lifetime. Um, they've evolved. And again, it's when you're 20 and poor, they're going to be different than when you're 30 and doing okay. They're going to be different when you're 40 and well off. And they're going to be a lot different when you're 50 and established. Sometimes that's the life map, right? Um, but giving back is super important to me. Um, but you have to figure it out on your own. And I'm not I'm not one to brag. But oh, so Chuck Todd or Chuck Reed said the state's ungovernable. There's just you got farmers who want something and you know wealthy people and tech in the north and wealthy people and media in the south. And he goes, I have no interest. It's it's ungovernable. San Jose, I can make a difference. I'm like, good for you. Of course, he goes back after politics and goes to his law firm and makes a lot of money and uses stories like mine to bankroll a uh, a legacy, a a story that's pretty good. Okay. Last tip by Warren Buffett was view money as a long-term game. Now, again, he's got hundreds and hundreds of tips. And when he dies, I'm taking a day off. I may even take a whole week off to mourn him. But view money as a long-term game. Someone's sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago. I'm saying plant some lemon trees. No, that's a good tip. Yes. But you get the idea. Find us at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com.